I'm, I'm one of those people that when I, uh, when I learn something, like I have the attitude, you know, be brave enough to be bad at something new. And, um, and this is new for me and I have never, ever done it before. And I've got lots of improving to do. Um, but every single member of the club has been fantastic in being gentle, but directive. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real life experience from launch to cox seat at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with Margie Ellsberg, who in the 1960s was turned away by a rowing coach in Boston because she was a woman. She learned to row at 60, and today, at 78, she's stronger than she's ever been. We talk with this baby boomer, former newswoman and self-described tomboy about Title IX, putting herself first, how a diabetes diagnosis set her on a wellness path, coxing octogenarians, training and racing with Chinook, and a whole lot more. If you missed it, or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We're really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. And when it comes to clubs and boathouses, we wanna meet the people that make them engaging, inclusive, successful, and of course, fun. With that in mind, our Club Spotlight series takes us across the country and around the world. Today, we're going to the Buckeye State to chat with the Greater Columbus Rowing Association. GCRA has been on my radar for a few years after seeing adaptive rower Kristen Jackson powering through an erg piece on social media. I started following their really open and welcoming public GCRA rowing group on Facebook and have always just been impressed with their camaraderie, their presence at regattas, impassioned calls for volunteers, shoutouts and high fives for each other, and more. GCRA was founded in 1984 as a nonprofit volunteer-based organization dedicated to providing its diverse membership with safe, sculling, and sweeping opportunities. Today, it's home to 145 members across masters and adaptive rowing programs. Today, we're talking with GCRA board president, Lori Gunzelman, LTR coach, Nicole Arado, adaptive rower, Kristen Jackson, recent LTR grad, Carrie Palmer, and rower and admin, Sarah Stafford. Hi, I'm Carrie, and I am a brand new novice rower. I just started rowing in June with GCRA. I'm Kristen Jackson. I am an adaptive rower with GCRA, and I can't keep track of how many years I've been doing it. Enough to lose track. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, my name is Nicole. I've been rowing for 13 years. I've been with GCRA since 2017, and I am the novice coach. I teach adult learn to row. Hi, um, I'm Laurie Gunzelman. I started rowing with GCRA um, as an LTR about five years ago. Um, and since then, I've, <laughs> I really jumped off the deep end and um, uh, became regatta director for three years and then president for three years. So. Um, just really involved and, and really enjoy the club. And Sarah Stafford. I joined GCRA in 2014 after moving to Columbus, but I started rowing in 2010 in Wilmington, Delaware. So as soon as I moved to Columbus, I sought out a rowing club and have been here ever since. Like Lori, after a, a couple of years of the club, I jumped into club leadership and, and have been involved in, in some of that over the past too. Uh, but I'm, I'm since retired from that. Thanks everyone for being here. How was your rowing weekend? I understand you shut every uh, shut operations down, but did you go out with a bang? What happened this past weekend at GCRA? We had annual Speakman Memorial Regatta, um, and it was we had a great time. the The weather turned out. Um, it we we the past few years we've done uh, coordinated with the Upper Arlington juniors crew 
Upper Arlington High School crew, they host the Blake Haxton Regatta on a Saturday. And then we, using the same site, same infrastructure, we host the Speakman Memorial Regatta on the Sunday of that weekend. So, um, and then masters are invited to that, but there's masters, juniors, collegiate, um, para categories at that one on Sunday. So we had like, like 280 entries, I think. Um, but I think the big success from our club standpoint for the day was not only did we have a bunch of para athletes on the water, which Kristen can tell you more about, um, as well as some entries from out of town too, because we have like the best water and the best dock. Um, but we had like 18 LTR novice rowers doing, I think all of them rode at least twice, but some of them rode three times for yes. a head race. What kind of regatta is this? A sprint regatta? It is no. a 5K. Yeah. Oh, it's a head race. Head race. So Even better. What I will say about that is I remember my my novice year, and I was just so excited to row when a coach wanted to put me in three head races at the last regatta of the season. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I never wanted to do it again. But you know, when you're fresh and you're a novice and you're excited, go for it. So Carrie, were you one of the 18 that, okay, how was yes, your regatta? How was, I was it? It was life-changing. It was fantastic. Yeah. I will 10 out of 10 do that again. Oh, it, good. Um, I tell you, so I rode in the mixed eight in the novice category and there were only three entries in each of our races, but um, we took silver in that um, because seat five's uh, seat came off about two thirds of the way through the 5k. Awesome. So he was Perfect. rowing arms only. And we were really sad about that because uh, we'd like to say that we would have taken gold because he, um, because we had passed the other boat and we had cleared it. Um, but, uh, but then a seat came off. Oh, so, but we were really happy with our time. And then, uh, and then about an hour later, I rode in the masters women's eight plus. Um, and we were, uh, all eight of us had rode within the last hour, hour and a half. And we were exhausted by the time we got to the, uh, shoot, we were, we were worn, but we were very proud of our time, extremely proud of our time. We had cut a couple of minutes off and um, it was fantastic. Wow. 10 out of 10 would do it again. Great report. That's a great yeah. report. Tell me, tell us about the, uh, the body of water. Where does this happen? Where does, does this regatta happen at the same spot every year? Who wants to tell us about the, the race course? And because you're known for this Speakman, Speakman, Speakman. Uh, Memorial Regatta, and then uh, Blake Haxton, of course, if uh, our listeners know, uh, is a uh, para rower mm -hmm. who represents the U.S. on the national team, and um, not a Memorial Regatta. He is very much alive and well, um, but it is a Blake Haxton event. Who wants to tell us about the race course site? Like, what that? What's that like when you go? What do you see? Kristen, you want to talk about that because you can talk specifically about the dock too which is about, so great uh, boathouse and and all that so it is on the same river that gcra boathouse is located on so it's on the sayota river um and in terms of our side of things like we have a relatively like pretty good accessibility set up in terms of a good dock with like that you can get down to um the water is usually pretty good, not not too rough, um, and there's not too many bends in the river either, which is kind of nice when you're when you're the only one in the boat and it's all on you to make sure you don't hit anything. <laughs> um, and then I think so. The way that we have it structured, Speakman is like the majority of the the boats and the people are on the other side of the river, and then the para athletes are on the boat side, boathouse side of the river. And that's because of like accessibility and not wanting to, like, try and wheel through mud and hay and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but we luckily have um, a really kind of good setup where our races are in the middle of the day, which is great. If you've been to regattas, a lot of times the para athletes are like put on the end 
of the day, which is not always great, can have some problems. So luckily our, um, since we're organizing it, like we get a lot of flexibility in terms of where we put our adaptive events. So that's worked out really well for us. Um, that's great. Yeah, we've had similar experiences at Regattas where if you have multiple launch site available for one event, you can do so much more with inclusion. You can do just scads more. So it sounds like you had a big adaptive uh, showing at this event. And we were excited to have people from out of town because not everybody, I think, maybe knows that we have adaptive events. So we were really excited to have some competition this year. So congrats. That sounds awesome. So now the boathouse is shut down for the winter. And I wanted to ask Lori, can you tell us what are the programs that happen at GCRA? You are the currently the board president. Yes. Correct, I am. Um, we have a lot of events that happen throughout the year. Obviously, Learn to Row is one of those um, events. The other thing that we offer um, is it's just new this year, actually. Um, we just had a, a, a starter of it last year was an introduction to row day, um, where we have a boat open boathouse uh, event to, to invite public in. And then we've partnered with um, the Relentless Rowing Foundation, which is a, um, a group that is promoting um, equity, inclusion, and diversity of rowing into the, into the uh, program. Um, so that's been a really successful um, event that we or program that we've solicited. And what we do is we basically bring um, about 20 um, athletes um, uh, on site that may not have access to rowing and we will give them an opportunity to try out an erg, learn about the boat and we get them on the water. So this is all in a day. So it's very, very intensive, but everybody so far has really enjoyed it. And most of them want to continue rowing. That's pretty much what happens during the summer along with our learn to rows and coach programs during the winter. Now that the water is starting to turn cold, um, we start to focus a little bit more on indoors, although we'll continue rowing until there's ice on the water. Um, we'll have um, erging um, coaching. Um, so we will get, get, get onto the dreaded erg and start uh, working on uh, getting ready for uh, indoor rowing competition which is usually uh, February, March timeframe. I think it's really exciting that you are working with Ash Pryor and Relentless Rowing Academy. Uh, Tara and I know her and her organization very well. Uh, we were introduced to Ash Pryor uh, this time last year when she applied to be one of our Changemaker Scholars and uh, we gave her a scholarship. And now we're super excited to see all the work that she's doing there in, uh, in Ohio. And uh, I mean, things are really taking off for her. So um, it is excellent to see uh, her partnerships growing and that DEI work happening uh, across many boathouses there. So I want to thank you for her, for being involved in that whole process. It's really excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Nicole, were you, you were part of that event? Mm -hmm. I participated as a coach in that event and it was a really special day because actually the date that we had this intro to rowing open house event was the one year anniversary from when Ash Pryor had her very first Learn to Row event happen. And so it was a very special moment for her. It was a very special moment for us to kind of reflect on the past year and how much she's been able to accomplish both here in Columbus and then on a national level as well. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask Carrie about was you just came out of that kind of environment, that kind of Learn to Row where it's all fresh and new. And we're always curious when people come out of Learn to Row and, and everybody chime in if you have a, a strong thought as well. What was it that really got you hooked into it and said, I'm going to keep coming back to this. Did you have a moment? Well, everybody at the, at the club has been incredibly welcoming and uh, in helping us to get better. Like every single one of us, I'm, I'm one of those people that when I, uh, when I learn something, like I have the attitude, you know, be brave enough to be bad at something new. And um and this is new for me and I have never, ever done it before. And I've got lots of improving to do. Um, but every single member of the club has been fantastic in being gentle, but directive. And that has been incredibly good for us. But there was uh, like uh, just the moments of 
hey, you know, all of these people are new. Let's get them started. You know, can you come to a drop-in on Saturday morning to get the new people like out on the water? And so there was this mixture of us novices with these masters rowers um, in the boats with us. And so, you know, I'm sitting, you know, um, in seat seven, you know, right behind a master's rower in, you know, in seat eight, you know, and I am picking all of this up, not just technique, but like just the thrill of being there. And, um, but honestly, Nicole had me hook, line and sinker, you know, June 9th was the day that I started rowing and I will never forget it. And, um, and, you know, she has been an incredible teacher for all of us, credible mentor for all of us, but everyone has really jumped in and I can't leave it. I won't leave it. You know, so um, what was that first day? Like, what, what was it that day that you said, this is amazing. And I'm coming back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, it, so that first day we were inside, we weren't, or, or we were not on the water that very first day we were on the erg and learning a little bit about technique and, um, terminology, you know, what it all meant, like what a sweep was, what a skull was, what way enough meant, you know, what ready all row meant, you know, all of that. And I thought, oh, I was so excited. Like, I can't wait to like get on the water and do this. You know, I've been on the water, like all of my life as a competitive swimmer, as a kayaker. And this was just like the next progression for me, I thought. Um, But we were just all, at least me, I was so excited to use what it is that I had learned, you know, on that very first morning at 530 in the morning. And, um, and as soon as I stepped foot in that boat, you know, it was a little bit wobbly, the first date that I got in, but I was, you know, I had the oar in my hand on the starboard side and I was, I was there. I was there. Yay. So, you know, I love that because you're just exuding all of the wonderfulness and, and it's a great product of this particular boathouse. And, and it really speaks volumes to the culture of this boathouse. And really how does. I was introduced to you was seeing Krista Jackson crushing an erg piece on Instagram and being like, who is that? Like, we need to have her uh, race for Seas of York and come to our camps. And, uh, but ever since then, you know, I'm part of your public, you have to join it, but it's a public Facebook group that Sarah Stafford, who's here as the admin of, and it's just all high fives and joy and funny inside mm-hmm. jokes. Sarah, one thing you talk about also is this intergenerationality of the boathouse and that there's a lot of factors happening here. What do you think it is that makes GCRA so special like this? I, you know, I think seeing so many different rowers at so many different levels, doing so many different things, um, you know, um, we've got people that just are coming out and, and rowing their private singles um, and doubles. And we have people that are just coming for recreational rowing that aren't going to regattas. We have people that are like, like Kristen, who's throwing up erg scores like that. We have people who are winning gold at nationals consistently. We had a double get fifth at head of the Charles. We're seeing people at all different levels. So new rowers like Carrie, she's seeing, you know, what could come for her down the road. Right. And I mentioned the intergenerational thing that just really struck me on just Sunday when I raced in the women's eight. I was in stroke seat. I'm 44. Bow seat is Donna. She's 75. So um, for me, that's just incredibly inspiring to see like how far I can take this sport, how far, how long this community can be with me in my life. Um, and you know what I can learn from folks that have been around, and to, to have be able to have friendships with people um, also in different generation, um, different generations through that common thing, the common love that we have for rowing has been just really, really special. I think it's also interesting. I'm also 44, and I think it's an interesting place to be where you are like. Uh, you can kind of find yourself in the middle truthfully because you are rowing with some kids that are like either fresh out of high school or fresh out of college and you've got potentially a lot more experience than them either experience in the boat or just life experience 
Um, but then you've got their fresh legs in the boat and that's super exciting. But then on the other hand, you might have somebody who has 20 more years experience than you who's 70. And we just had the opportunity to talk to Margie Ellsberg a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. She rose up in New Hampshire and also trains and races with uh, Chinook and she is 78. And she talked a lot about that as well, where, you know, she can bring a boat average up (laughs) 20 years, um, but also having the opportunity to row like basically for her, like G through K. It's so anyway, it, it is an awesome opportunity when a boathouse has that wide of a range and they bring them all together. I think that's really wonderful. Um, Lori, uh, what really sparks rowing for you? Like, how did you get into it? Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you just uh, segued that because I started rowing because my son was rowing in middle school. And um, it was one of those things Um, I was actually doing strength training at the time and I looked at what he was doing and I said, I can do that. So uh, that's when I started with GCRA. In fact, one of my favorite pictures I have is my son and I in a a parent child row up in Michigan um, in a sprint race. It was our first row. Um, We, we ended up in the middle of the pack, um, but it was really a wonderful experience for us um, to be able to row together Um, and it's really where I got my love of the sport and I started when I was 50. So it's, it's, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I didn't start this at a young age at all. And, um, ever since I started rowing, um, always want to get in, jump into boats. And I've been, I'm usually the oldest one in the boat. Um, every once in a while I step in a a boat that's older than me, but typically I'm the one that brings the age up. (laughs) So, uh, love that handicap. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Get bonus Steady State content, early access to podcast episodes, and store discounts when you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 a month. Become a patron today at SteadyStateNetwork.com slash Patreon. In two, we're back with Greater Columbus Rowing Association. That's one, two. So as we're talking about your different programs, you know, adaptive is one of the major programs. I know, Kristen, you're involved in the administration side of that, right? They've roped you in for some committee work uh, there. Um, So we're, as we've come out of COVID, you know, COVID changed a lot uh, of things. What's looking on the horizon for 2022 for the para program in terms of recruiting or coaching or uh, what's ahead for that program? Well, I... I would like to say, like, we actually did surprisingly well keeping the program going even during COVID. I'm actually really proud of what we've been able to do. Great. All our athletes involved, even we essentially went to virtual practices. We took ERGs to people that needed them, that didn't have them, and essentially met on Zoom to do practices and um, different things. Sometimes we did ERGing, sometimes we, we did yoga strength training with cans of soup, you know, (laughs) whatever people had around. (laughs) So we really just wanted to keep people engaged, keep them um, focused on health and stress management, especially during COVID. Like, and I think given the work that I do, I was seeing that unfortunately people with disabilities were disproportionately at risk. Um, so I really, really wanted to keep people focusing on health, stress management, even during the pandemic. So I'm excited we did that. We are doing virtual practices again this year. We took a survey of our participants and said, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Do you feel comfortable doing in-person practices or not? Overall, some people were comfortable, but majority wanted to do virtual practices. So we're going to do that again this year. Um, and we hope to have some future kind of partnerships. We um, are working with a local organization who does um, running and biking with kids and and adults with disabilities. And so we're gonna do potentially like a learn to row day with them and some participants. So kind of similar to what we described before where we have kind of everything on one day. Of course, with our adaptive community, we're gonna have to kind of more tailor to each specific person, which is kind of the norm for adaptive sports. Um, so that's something we're looking forward to. And then of course, um, we are excited to get back into outdoor season. I think everybody enjoys being on the water. That's I think part of the thing that draws us to it is being outside, being on the water. Um, and so that's kind of what we're looking forward to for next year. 
Um, That's fantastic. One other thing we did do this year, which we did a um, day event fun row. Uh, we focused on like disability pride event. And so we had everybody that wanted to come. We put a lineup together. All our adaptive people wanted to come. We got everybody out on the water at the same time. We had some music going. We had some food. It was just a fun row event. And that was actually, and Ash came. She um, definitely brought some people to support us. So it was really just a coming together of our various kind of pieces of our community. And it was really well received. And so we're gonna probably make that an annual event. I love that because one of the things that, that sees the or which I also uh, do work with uh, as the founder, one thing we talk about is that disability is literally the intersection, right? It's the most intersectional of, of everything because you could be uh, disabled and queer, you could be disabled and trans, you could be disabled and black, you could be disabled and BIPOC, you could be disabled and, you know, all these different um, intersections. And I remember that post and thinking, God love the person who came up with that and made that happen. And that's exact. I would, I was not surprised that it was your boathouse because I see your feed and I see your folks and I'm like, that totally makes sense for that particular boathouse. They just seem to have everything. Uh, uh, there's a culture that you have that really supports that kind of thing. It made me think of an event that sees your hosts every year, what you were just talking about. It's called a national inclusive learn to row day. And we actually rebranded Learn to Row Day, National Learn to Row Day as National Inclusive Learn to Row Day. And I would love to tell you about how we did that because we partnered with Adaptive PE in the schools and our Outdoors for All. And we had three docks going and we had ergs and it was just, it was really, really great. So if you need, if you want to hear about how we did ours, it was. I would love to, that's amazing. I'll yeah, yeah. And sure. we were, we were trying to emphasize rethinking learn to row, mm -hmm. right? Because learn to row is that moment. And that, and um, Nicole, I'd love to have you talk about this, that it's that gateway drug essentially to, to rowing. And there are a lot of things that get unwrapped and unfolded when you teach learn to row, but making sure that everyone feels really welcome and feels really heard. And what do you think um, really is at the heart of the LTR program that you're building there at GCRA? I can speak to the amount of research that shows if you bring people together with a common goal, they will work harder than if they are only working toward a goal on their own. And I think when you put eight people in an eight who have never held an oar before, there's this intrinsic need to make it work. <laughs> you get to put the goal in front of you and just focus on that goal. And so um, we've talked in Learn to Row about how it's not a natural thing to sit on a rolling seat with your feet attached to the equipment and hold this 12 foot long pole and um, use your body in a way you've never used it before. So it normalizes the fact that this is a new thing and we're all working toward the same goal. Exactly. Yeah. I love teaching learn to row and Rachel knows I could go on about it forever and ever and in a day and forever and done it for about 12 years and have taught hundreds of people and seen all those great light bulb moments go off and then all the teeth gnashing and crying and then all the, you know, cheering each other on and then how they bond together and someone uh, raise your hand if you, I think it was Sarah that talked about flat tire friends that you get flat tire friends. Can you tell us what, how rowing makes for good <laughs> flat tire friends and what a flat tire friend is? Yeah, like I, that's my sort of concept for like those people you need in your life, right? You need to have flat tire friends. And for me that in the last decade that has come from uh, the rowing club. So when I moved to Columbus and I had rowed in Wilmington, I didn't have a lot of contacts in Columbus. I knew I wanted to row, but I also needed those that social group, right? I also needed that social connection outside of work people. And it's been my experience that like the people I row with are the people I would 100% call if I had a flat tire, <laughs> like needed a ride or needed, you know, help um, to be picked up. But, like I could call them anytime, anywhere. And um, just, they're just, and a lot of times it's just people I wrote with, right? Like we haven't necessarily like divulged all of our deep dark secrets to each other, but like, but we've bonded over rowing, maybe a regatta, maybe, you know, working something out on a club program. 
And then that's enough, you know, to know that I can rely on them and just call them out of the blue um, and I'll get a good reception, you know? There's something really unique about our, something really unique about our, our friendships with our teammates. You know, we may not have really active social lives at at night. (laughs) Maybe you do, but I think a lot of us don't. We end up having our social lives in the morning. Uh, You know, we get to see dozens of our friends every single morning, or for those of us who row in the evening, it's, you know, evening, but it's a different type of social life and a different type of friendship. And it is, something that you can't always explain to your other friends and your family, what, what we're doing. Um, so I love this notion of flat tire friends. I'm going to use that one. Nicole, you wanted to jump in? That has actually happened to me in non, this is not a hypothetical situation. I had a flat tire and I called a rowing friend and they helped me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not only that, they're strong and usually they know how to fix things because they're <laughs> rowers, right? <laughs> That's great. So one thing that Tara and I are really interested in is when folks kind of getting through their initial learn to row year, their novice years, they've settled in, they've become, you know, the, the team elders, even if that's only after five years, there's a point, I think, in every rower's life where they feel like maybe I have some ideas that could help that could help this team, that could help the program, the club, but not everybody jumps at the opportunity to become a board member. So I'm really curious, um, Lori, you said you just learned to row in uh, 2015, so six-ish years ago, and you skyrocketed from rower to board president. What can you tell us kind of how you made that transition mentally and what was it that clicked for you that said, I think I want to take this on? Well, I think there's a couple different things. I really started out as a regatta director and um, it was for the Speakman and the person that was running that uh, regatta had stepped down. And I thought, you know what, I can do that. I, I know I'm pretty good at organiz- organizing or herding cats, let's put it that way. And really, if you have people that know what to do in each one of these different committees, it's just a matter of organizing all of that information and making it happen towards a common goal. And Nicole is absolutely right. When you, when you set people and you pull them all together, they, they work with each other to help achieve that goal. Um, I, I talk about the Speakman as um, hosting people over for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, we, we do it because we want, to pe- want people to understand and know the water that we love and row every day. And um, from that role, um, it evolved for the, you know, a president role came available. And actually, I had to follow Sarah. Sarah was president prior to me becoming president. Um, I knew I had really big shoes to fill because she did such a phenomenal job um, running the club. And, but I, I was coming at it from a very different perspective. I didn't have sort of the um, prior years of rowing with another club. I didn't have sort of a, a preconceived idea of what it meant to, to be in a club or how to run a club. So um, a lot of the things that I feel um, I wanted, ideas that I wanted to explore is, you know, we came up with new, a, a new logo, um, for the Speakman, for example, um, we created um, some different programming uh, for the club. Uh, we looked at um, ways um, to include diversity, equity, and inclusion. So all of these things were evolutions, not because I, I'm, you know, had great vision, but I was looking at things that were happening in day-to-day life, and I felt like those things were important enough to include in the club and um, present them to the organization and they embraced it with open arms. So it was really a great way to, to learn more about myself and, and um, help the club achieve new goals. It sounds like you have a pretty strong strategic plan and a, and a strategy that's going forward. And, and I think a lot of clubs can learn from each other in, in those kinds of things. And there's a lot of clubs that struggle. So kudos for having great leadership and having what seems like um just a really strong sense of self, you know, for a, for an organization. Um, and Carrie, I'm interested in, since you've graduated from Learn to Row, have you recruited people? Have you been in, like the avid evangelist? Have you, have you, you, you bet I have. I, um, <laughs> so, so what do you tell people? <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher 
And it's no lie that things have been incredibly difficult, you know, for anybody during the pandemic. I completely acknowledge that. But for us in education, it's been pretty hard. And so what I didn't expect from learning to row is how incredibly meditative it is. I can think of absolutely nothing else while I'm in that boat. I have to think of nothing else while I'm in that boat. And so my goal is um, before the next Learn to Row session start uh, next June is to recruit at least three more educators um, for this. And I've already got one. I've already got one. So I'm working on others, you know, but um, I, besides a good friend of mine who rode um, for uh, in college, I have had no experience, like I have no other friends before my learn to row classmates. I, before meeting everybody at GCRA, I have had nobody to like talk to about this. Mm -hmm. So my enthusiasm at learning something new, you know, when I was just over 50, um, I think has hopefully inspired some people, but my goal is to recruit at least two more educators. Cause I've already got one. Um, and she's in hook, line and sinker, uh, for next June. Great. <laughs> so yeah. Well yeah, we love our our fresh LTRs are mm -hmm. sometimes our best evangelists for the yeah. sport. Yeah. So, so oh. well, actually, I'm I'm curious, like as an educator, what do you think that the sport brings to you that you can bring to your students? Me? Yeah. What what it can bring? What it brings to me? Yeah. So it brings this uh, this sense of definite teamwork because when I'm out in a kayak by myself that's a whole nother thing but when but I really like rowing a quad and I really like sweep rowing in an eight plus um but I really like this whole thing of we're in this together for a common goal um and relying on others but yet you can't hide you know you got to pull your own um and um and I my students have been, were very interested in, uh, in every morning, you know, when I'd come in just a little bit late, you know, off of, uh, you know, a morning row or like my regatta this past weekend, like they were really interested in learning about uh, what I did at the Speakman um, because they wanted to see pictures and they wanted to know like how this actually works. Um, and, um, but I can, you know, help them to understand that what has been good is that they see me learning something new at my age. You know, I, I decided when I was 50, I turned 50 last year, that I was going to try this new thing. And, um, and they, I think, are too young still, you know, they're still teenagers. They're still too young to see, you know, that far in advance, but they understand that, oh, hey, you know, she can, you know, try this, you know, this new thing um, at her age, <laughs> you know, or, uh, and then maybe I could try something new too. So um, that, that has been a good learning experience for me and definitely passing that along to them without actually teaching them that. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Carrie. And Nicole, you said you just applied to a psychology res residency programs and you're using rowing as a metaphor for life. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? You betcha. One of the essays I was asked to write in my application process was, tell me a little about yourself. So naturally I wrote about rowing. <laughs> and so I wrote, I made um, a parallel between rowing and psychology as a profession. And I think it speaks to all professions, really, and, and life in general, that rowing is a sport and a lifestyle that requires teamwork, but also individual improvement, whether that be in small boats or on the erg or just off the water in general. And rowing is a, um, an environment where you need to have mental toughness. You need to push through that last 500. And you also need those friends. So I was able to write about this in what I hope was an eloquent way. <laughs> so then... Um, when my when the my future supervisors read about me, they'll know from the get-go that I am a rower, and hopefully um, that will help me get this position. But I think regardless of the position, um, the things that I've learned from rowing are directly relatable to life in general. Yes, yeah, all those wonderful lessons that 
they take away. And sometimes as coaches and as fellow rowers, we don't, we lose track of that. And, and sometimes it's the learn to rows or the people who come to your club new and, and so excited that remind you of the magic of, of this sport. You know, we, we talk a lot about the rowing widows, you know, all of our spouses and friends who don't get it, you know, I, I don't know you in that rowing thing, you know, and uh, it's like, no, you don't, unless you get into it and you really take off with it. Um, is there anybody else that wants to share like a lesson that the rowing has taught them from your experience? Has anybody got anything that stands out? I mean, I'll share briefly the things. It's not directly my experience, but I've heard repeatedly from our adaptive rowers that adaptive rowing has really shown them that they can be athletes too, that they've been told their whole life, sports, whatever is not for them. They don't fit. And so this is a way that they've really maybe shaken up those thoughts and really deconstructed those thoughts and really um, changed kind of that perspective on what is an option for them and that they can be athletes. And I've, I've loved hearing that being the chair of the PARP committee. I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what we want. That's so exciting. Um, but I've really loved hearing that. And then I do agree in terms of like the benefit of rowing, of course, is like teamwork, all that, but it's also just like stress relief. Like on the days that I'm coming from work to rowing and on the days I most don't want to go, right? Because my day's been so horrible. I'm like, I don't want to go. So I, and those are exactly the days when I need to go, when I need to go. And inevitably, every time I go, I feel dramatically better afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes you also a great ambassador for your own program when you yourself are benefiting from it mm-hmm. and going out into the world. <laughs> and I also want to acknowledge that Mark uh, couldn't join us today. He's traveling, um, but he very generously shared your land acknowledgement. And this was kind of an initiative that I was really pushing for and still really push for called Know Where You Row and Know the Origins of the Land and the Water uh, on Which You Row. And so I just wanted to share what Mark had sent to us that you actually wrote this. This is a land and water acknowledgement that you have featured as part of your um, as part of your promotions, which is really, really classy and really important. And it says, the land on which the GCRA boathouse stands is part of the ancient homeland and traditional territory of many native peoples, including the Shawnee, Delaware, Seneca, Cayuga, and Wendat, whose name for the Seattle, is that how you say it? Seattle River. River persists, though they were forcibly removed to territory further west. We pay respect to indigenous peoples, past, present, and future, and their continuing connection to the land and the water we use for rowing. Absolutely fabulous. Just love that. I would love for every boathouse in the country to have that and acknowledge um, what the water, especially the water like that that water was used for transit and for food and for you know all sorts of things so who uh, initiated that process is that part of a strategic plan in terms of your dei because mark is the head of the the dei uh, type of thing so anybody want to speak that's, to that yeah that's correct um yeah mark uh uh did uh head and chair the um dei committee diversity equity and inclusion and um it was one of the first um I would say uh, goals of that committee um, is to um, acknowledge the land and water in which we row and uh, where we uh, have our boathouse. And uh, we make an effort to have that um, remembrance at every, um, uh, every event that we carry out for um, each one of our, our meetings or um, programs. Um, and we, we really enjoy the fact that Mark uh, spearheaded that and uh, gave that um, um, visibility uh, to, uh, to our, us and our, as, and our membership. So, Well, and I'll add, I think I've, I'm on the DEI committee as well, and several of our PARP athletes are as well. And I think as a boathouse, we've been working really, really hard the past two years towards that change in our boathouse culture. Mm-hmm. And 
the acknowledged land and water acknowledgement is one piece of that, but it's gone even beyond that. We've been working really hard on trying to broaden kind of not only who has access to rowing, but who we are bringing in, who we're working with, who we're collaborating with. And so that's just one piece of this, but I think I've been really proud of how we've really been working very hard on changing that culture of, of not only our boathouse, but of rowing in general. Well, when I saw this um, information on your website about where you row, it made me realize how few boathouses and clubs are acknowledging this. And, and actually, I couldn't think of anyone else that has done this. Um, and recently, I came across just one other boathouse. They're in Massachusetts. And they're called the Watupa Rowing Center. Now, the Watupa Rowing Center didn't start their life as that. They started their life as a Bay Coast Rowing Center, but rebranded specifically to highlight their unique location. So big kudos to, to both of you for, for acknowledging where you row. And I really hope that other boathouses follow suit. Thank you everyone for doing this interview today. This is so fun. Um, so we're gonna do what's called rapid fire and you can, you all get to answer. So let's go in this order. Let's go Carrie, Kristen, Nicole, Lori, Sarah. So in that order, that way we can keep track of you. So we're just gonna ask you a question. All what we want is a quick answer. All right, the first one is sweep or skull? Sweep. Skull. 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 Sweep. Bow seat, stroke seat, or engine room? Stroke pair. I only have one seat. Engine room. Engine. Stroke. Salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. Fresh water. Fresh, yeah. I'm okay. not messing with sharks. Fresh water. <laughs> sprint race or head race? I do not have any experience with sprint racing yet, but I did love the head race. Sprint race. Head race, chase them down. Sprint. Head race for me. Okay, this one might be this one might be really fun. And and for the single scholars in the room, if you're a single scholar, you often have to cox yourself, right? You have to get yourself, you know. So this is favorite coxing command to give or receive. Ready, y'all, row. Why not? I had a coxswain once say, take a power 10 for donuts. So we did. <laughs> Perfect. Ready, y'all, row. Um, okay, this is just a little bit more of an explanation, but um, okay, we were rowing in gay games in 2018 on the water that's going to be the rowing venue for Paris 2024. Uh -huh. And the guy that was coxing our eight um, said, um, you know, we're halfway through the race and he says, you're real Olympians now. <laughs> and, so, and we just, I feel like the boat just like picked up and went. So nice. anyway, that was a pretty good coxswain call at the time. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Next Wait, question, uni or tank and trow? Never worn a uni. Tank and trow, no way I'm wearing a uni. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine trying to go to the bathroom or nothing? Uh-uh. No. The uni means you don't have to match your clothes. So that's what I'm about. Uni. Yep, uni for me, it's one thing to remember. If your club had a mascot, what would it be? If our club had a mascot, it would be the fish who jumped into our boat last week. <laughs> right at my feet. That's real. Definitely real fish. Wow, okay. Um, and then our last question is coffee before or after a row? Definitely before and then after too. Before. Coffee after the row, so you can go with your people and have a, a social moment. I like coffee before and after. I, I have to say after, like Nicole said, um, we, we're lucky to have a coffee shop like right across the river from the boathouse. So that is a gathering place um, on the weekends um, and as often as we can. So we're lucky for that. So I'll say after. Perfect. And then nobody said, uh, we don't drink coffee. And some people actually say, we bring it into the boat with us. <laughs> <laughs> and they want a cup holder. 
Well, I just want to use this as a quick little opportunity. In case you all don't know, Tara and I do a little virtual coffee chat every Friday. It's kind of at a little bit of a weird time because she's out West and I'm out East, but 8.30 a.m. West, 11.30 a.m. East, um, we hop on to Facebook Live, although we're going to be starting to do that on Instagram. And we talk about rowing and we want people to come in and join us to talk about rowing. So if you've got a few minutes on a Friday morning, just hop on our Instagram. Instagram feed. And um, basically we just like shoot the shit about rowing and uh, we don't come at it from like a highly technical perspective. We do talk techniques sometimes, but we talk about all sorts of stuff. We might talk about our calluses or the workout that I did yesterday or something. So this is just my little like off air introduction um, or not introduction, but invitation for all of you. We would love, love, love for you to, you know, take a, take a minute on a Friday and hang out with us. Cause we can't actually join you in clink coffee cups. All right. Well, Lori, Nicole, Carrie, Kristen, and Sarah, whew, it's been really great to talk with all of you. So uh, again, thank you for giving us a glimpse at rowing life in Columbus. And uh, we hopefully will make it out there uh, one day to meet you face to face. Thank you right. so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for thinking of us. Of thank you. All right. Bye. Nice to meet you. Talk with you soon. see photos of Lori, Nicole, Carrie, Kristen, and Sarah, the Seattle River, and links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Did you know that Steady State is more than a podcast? We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Join us for Coffee Chat, our version of the post-practice hangout. For about half an hour, we shoot the breeze about our rowing week, talk rowing news, training, calluses, and a whole lot more. We go live on Instagram every Friday at 8.30 a.m. West, 11.30 a.m. East. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. Looking for workout buddies? Join us for Steady State Sundays, the fourth Sunday of each month at 6.45 a.m. West, 9.45 a.m. East. Register for this 60-minute steady-state ERG workout, and we'll provide cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. Work at your own pace, and then stick around after to talk. To find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit steadystatenetwork.com events. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Rachel Friedman. And me, I'm Tara Morgan. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience and running successful rowing-related enterprises. Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original resource for master's rowers. And Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, championing inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at RowSource and Seize the Oar. All right. High five, Rachel. High five, Tara. All right. We'll see everybody soon. Bye. In two, let it run. That's one, two, let it run. <laughs>